0: That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X.com.
1: Slow Burn is a production of Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Slate Plus members get an entire bonus episode of the show every week with all kinds of extra material, exclusive interviews, roundtables, and more of the crazy stuff we found while researching the show. Joining Slate Plus is also a great way to support this show and our other podcasts. If you like Slow Burn, help us make it. Slate Plus members also get their Slate podcast with no ads. Not even this one. Okay, here's episode seven of Slow Burn. This podcast has language that some people might find offensive. On the night of September 13th, 1996, Christopher Wallace, the notorious B.I.G., was in a recording studio in New York. It was about a week since Tupac Shakur had been attacked in Las Vegas, and Biggie and his crew still figured Tupac would pull through. I mean, Pac got shot,
0: we was like, all right, Pac got
1: shot. He'll live. You know what I'm saying? He always lived. It's not the first time he had got shot. That's Nasheen Myrick, one of the producers who was working with Biggie back then. Myrick was in the studio with Biggie all the time. And they weren't doing anything all that special on September 13th. But everything changed when they heard the grim news out of Vegas.
0: When that shit came across, because I had the TV on, everybody had the TV on. And when they said, Pac, just died, we was like silent. was like, wow.
1: Biggie and his wife, Faith Evans, were living apart. He called her that night. She described his voice as low and small. He was crying and seemed afraid. Something ain't right, Faye, he told her. Shit got fucked up somewhere along the way. But that was my nigga. Biggie was clearly hurt by Tupac's death. He was also scared to realize that Tupac's money and security guards hadn't protected him from the violence of the streets. But at the same time, Biggie wasn't exactly mourning his former friend. Tupac had told the world that Biggie and Sean Puffy Combs were involved in the shooting at Quad Studios. Tupac had also boasted about sleeping with Biggie's wife and fantasized in his lyrics about killing Biggie and everyone around him. No matter the bond they'd shared when times were good, Biggie wasn't going to forget the bad stuff. This nigga, he made my life miserable, Biggie said to his friend Dream Hampton. He told lies, fucked with my marriage, turned fans against me. For what? Biggie told Hampton he wasn't going to Tupac's service. It turned out he couldn't have gone, even if he wanted to. Two days after Tupac's death, on September 15th, New York police arrested Biggie and his friend Lil C's for marijuana possession. The cops took their Lexus, and when they got it back, the car wouldn't drive. The dealership gave them a new ride, a Chevy Lumina. The next day, they took the Lumina on the New Jersey Turnpike. C's was driving, and Big was in the passenger seat. Here's Biggie's old friend Chico Delvec of Junior Mafia. It was raining. Teeves tried to spin off through the lane of an exit and ran into the biocape. Caesar's face hit the steering wheel, shattering a bunch of his teeth. Biggie fractured his leg in three places and had to be cut out of the van. Biggie spent much of the next two months at a rehab facility. He also started seeing a therapist and talking to God. Biggie decided that he needed to slow down and change his life. Even before the accident, Biggie had started thinking beyond his hometown. He'd left his beloved Brooklyn for a quiet gated community in Teaneck, New Jersey. Now 24 years old and a platinum selling artist, he already had a young daughter and Faith was expecting his son. He wanted to buy his mother a home in the Poconos. He teamed up with an old friend to start a record company, Undias Entertainment. He'd learned from watching Puffy that the real money was behind the scenes. If Biggie wanted to secure his future, there was still one huge thing he needed to accomplish. He had to make his peace with the West Coast. No one had been charged in Tupac's shooting, and rumors were rampant about who might be responsible. Some blamed the Southside Compton Crips. Others blamed Bad Boy, specifically Biggie and Puffy. All the speculation had made Biggie somber and withdrawn. He told one music writer, it's not worth it anymore, That's why I just stay in the motherfucking house. The only way he could squash the beef, Biggie thought, was to do what he did best. He ended up recording a California anthem, a tribute to the West Coast sound. Going back to Cali would be one of the best known tracks he ever made. He and Puffy also made another move, setting up a splashy promotional trip to Los Angeles. That turned out to be a huge mistake. How did the hip hop world change in the months after Tupac's death? How did his killing reignite a gang war in LA? And why did Puffy and Biggie risk everything by going to the West Coast? This is Slow Burn. I'm your host, Joel Anderson. This is episode seven, To Live and Die in LA.